Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to stay with me. It's going to be some time of motivation, inspiration, education, and it'll be done with no manipulation because we don't have any hidden agendas. We definitely are not trying to hustle you. We're not trying to ask you to join up, fess up, give up, sell it, nothing like that. We're just here to give you accurate information. Every week we tell you this, accurate information, information that perhaps will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If you can do that, then you are free to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But this show called The Flatline, been on the air now for about five years across the United States and growing every year, and thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. I trust that you will enjoy the things that we're studying together. This is not a dialogue. It's a monologue. It's just simply me talking to you. I don't offer useless speculation here. What I'm trying to offer is divine revelation, accurate information from the Bible, from the canon of Scripture. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's one of those preachers on the radio. Well, I guess you could say that, but not like what you've heard before. This preacher here, this person talking to you, me, that is, I'm going to give you how things work. I'm going to tell you exactly the mechanics, what's involved. See, so not here to quote cliches to you, not here to tell you things like, just let God have it, brother. We're not here to do that. We're here to tell you exactly how the plan of God works. And I want to start off by telling you that the Christian life is a supernatural life. It must be lived in supernatural power. It cannot be lived in the energy of the flesh. The supernatural power that you have been bestowed with is the filling of God the Holy Spirit and the dynamics of the Word of God in your soul. The Bible says the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the anointed Son of God, said that when He left, He would send His Spirit and He would guide us and lead us unto truth. And in effect, the Holy Spirit is our divine mentor. He is the one that reveals the plan of God. He is the one that empowers us to live the plan of God. And when we quench the Spirit, as the Bible warns us not to do, when we grieve the Spirit, as the Bible warns us not to do, then even though we may do all the right things, we will do them in completely the wrong way. We will not follow the protocol plan of God. We will, in fact, do it our way. And that's what organized religion is today. They're doing it their way. Even though the Bible may say, do it this way, a lot of people do it that way, their way. Communion is a perfect example. The Bible gives us a warning in 1 Corinthians not to take communion out of fellowship, because if we do, then we bring discipline to ourselves. And yet very few pastors would ever warn anyone to do that because it becomes a ritual, and that ritual has no reality to it in many churches. I'm not here to talk about ritual without reality. I'm here to talk about the reality of the relationship you have with God 
through Jesus Christ. Last week on our show, we talked about the life-changing experience. This goes along with the Flotline study. Remember, the Flotline is that unique problem-solving barrier that we set up in our soul. It consists of 10 problem-solving devices. It's our main line of resistance that stops the outside source of adversity before it becomes the inside source of stress. So when you learn those unique problem-solving devices that we talk about often on this show, then you're able to have your own flat line. And if you have your own flat line, then you're able to understand how God's plan begins to work in your life, what God is actually up to in your life, and how God can become, and his son also, the center of your life. So the question that I asked last week, something that I wanted to discuss with you, was when you became a Christian, was it a life-changing decision? And by that I mean, did it change your personality? The, the obvious answer is no. When, when you become a Christian, your personality doesn't change. Now, a lot of people may run around yelling, oh God, oh brother, sweet Jesus, and sometimes that's just obnoxious to tell you the truth, and sometimes it's just them trying to put on a show and, and act holy and act spiritual. But when push comes to shove, you still have the same personality you had before you accepted Christ. Because becoming a new person in Christ has nothing to do with your physical life. Becoming a new person in Christ is your spiritual life. See, there's two of you inside of there. There's the physical you, and that's the part we all see. And then there's the spiritual you, and that's the part no one can see but God. And becoming a new person is when the spiritual you is born again. When you, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, are born into a living relationship with God, you become a member of the royal family of God. No one can see it. You don't feel it. It's not an emotional thing. It's a matter of faith. God said it. We believe it. And it works. The Bible clearly says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's a gift of God. And so when we become a new person, our, our old sin nature doesn't go away. That's in your body. And by the way, that's why you have to die. You can't go to heaven and take an old sin nature with you. It won't work. And so you have to shed the corruptible body that you live in so that you can receive an incorruptible body, a body like Christ. It's called the resurrection body. So this body won't work in heaven. And the reason you have a problem here on this earth sometimes is because your sin nature and the Holy Spirit have a tendency to go in opposite directions. That's why the Bible warns us that the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh, and they're contrary one to the other. So you don't get a new body physically when you become a Christian. Your personality doesn't change. Your sin nature trends don't go away. As a matter of fact, you still look as beautiful as you always looked or as ugly as you always looked. It's just still you. You're still the same person. But what did change is you are the child of God. You have eternal life. God has a new plan for your life now that you have become a Christian. 
This is where most people miss it. They never learn the plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, God said this through the prophet Jeremiah. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you, a plan for your life, and it involves around the directive will of God. It's God's modus operandi for you, and it can only be lived two ways, under the power of the Holy Spirit and by you growing, learning, and applying the Word of God into your life. Biblical inculcation. That means that there is perception of the Word of God, there's metabolization of the Word of God, and the application of the Word of God in your life. Three big words. Perception, metabolization, application. You hear it, you learn it, you apply it, you live by it. That's the plan of God for your life, for you to grow up spiritually. The permissive will of God for your life is God allowing you to make some dumb mistakes. He doesn't step in and stop you, and you learn from those mistakes. And the overruling will of God is when God steps in and protects you so you don't self-destruct. In spite of our failures, the overruling will of God is always designed to eventually accomplish the purpose of God in spite of failure in our life. So nobody can ever know the will of God unless they know the Word of God, unless they understand the Word of God. And as far as God's will goes for your life, the directive will of God for your life, now that you're that new person, well, there is the geographical will of God, and that's where does God want me to be. There's the viewpoint will of God, what does God want me to be, and want me to think, excuse me, and then finally the operational will of God, what does he want me to do? So where does he want me to be, what does he want me to think, and what does he want me to do? When you discover that, you will discover the most amazing life the world has ever known. You will discover your new purpose for living. You see, spiritual living, living spiritually, is the execution of the protocol plan of God in the spiritual life of the church-age believer. You, me, under the enabling power of God's Holy Spirit, and us having our momentum, moving us along from the Word of God we've learned and applied. See, we relate all of that to the divine power of the Holy Spirit, the application of the Word of God in our life, and we set new priorities. See, when you become a new person in Christ, there are new priorities in your life. The Bible tells you in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. I'm reviewing. I know. I said these things last week, but I'm reviewing them for you. I'm going to go further today. There are new priorities. And the question that I asked you last week is, what is your priority in life? Why do you live? Why are you living? Why are you here? What's the reason? God has a new plan for you. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. God's plan is this, that you come to understand and know him. Please remember that. 
You cannot love a God that you don't understand. You may know God through Jesus Christ as your Savior, but there is a tremendous difference between knowing God and understanding God. And this is where the problem is. Satan is not able to stop people from accepting Christ. Many have accepted Christ at many crusades and many revivals and on the radio and many different places. But he can definitely stop you from understanding the God you know. And the way that he does that is to distract you and to defeat you spiritually, to keep you from ever learning how to execute the plan of God. See, once you become a believer, once you move into the royal family of God, there's a plan. God has a new plan, and he wants you to understand the plan. You hear that verse in Jeremiah 9.23? Let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. And then it goes on to say that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. These are the things that I delight in. You see, God is perfectly righteous, and we are perfectly unrighteous. Perfect righteousness is part of the essence of God, and that perfect righteousness is guarded by the perfect judgment of God. Now, we know that he loves us. We know that he loves us so much that he gave his own son to pay the penalty for our sin. And the judgment of God judged Christ in our place. If we're ever going to have a relationship with him, we have to come through Jesus Christ because he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Once we come to God through Christ, we now start a new phase of our life. Once we come to God in Christ, we enter a new phase, a new phase. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ called the fishermen, the ones that he wanted to follow him? He asked them to be his disciples. They dropped everything to follow him. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, the Bible says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, in the boat with their father Zebedee. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. What I've just read you is unbelievable. It's amazing. An encounter with a stranger calls four men to walk away from their destiny, four men to leave the security of their job to walk away from their family. They abandon everything to follow a person they had never known before. Isn't that amazing? Here's a question for you. Who do you follow? Who is your personal icon? Have you ever met someone so intriguing that you would follow them anytime in any place?
I mean, I've met a few military men that I feel unbelievably safe around. I would follow them anywhere, anytime, because I know they are the epitome of a professional soldier. And those people, you know, yes. But someone that just walked up to you on the beach and said, follow me? Is there anything in your life that would cause you to give up everything you've got? See, this is where we miss it. There, if there's nothing in your life that you would give up everything for, then why exactly are you living? What are you living for? What is the primary number one purpose in your life if you don't have that? Is there anything you would set aside all of your plans for? Is there anything that you would set aside all of your desires for and surrender them even to another person? See, if not, then you really don't know the Savior yet. Not yet. Well, you, may, you may be a Christian, yes. And you may be on your way to heaven, yes. But you may not have come to love him so much that you would give up everything you have to follow Jesus Christ. That's the new life. That's the life I'm talking about. You see, loving Jesus Christ means, number one, that you obey his mandates. In 1 John 5, 3, the Bible says, This is the love of God, that we keep his mandates, and his mandates are not a burden. You know, has anyone ever asked you, do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Have you ever sang that song in church, Oh, how I love Jesus? I mean, is it just words, or is there a reality to it? Listen again. 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God. Here's your test right here. You want to take a test and find out if you love him? That we keep his mandates and they are not hard. You know what the sign of loving Jesus Christ is? Obedience. Obedience. You see, the love for your Savior is the motivating virtue in your life to obey your Savior. The functioning virtue is the things you do once you understand what he's asking you to do. But before you can ever do them, you got to understand, do you love him enough to trust him? Do you love him enough to obey him? In Matthew 10, 28 through 31, the Bible talks about trusting Jesus Christ, trusting God. Listen to this. Don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill your soul, but rather fill the one, fear the one who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them will fall into the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are much more valuable than a sparrow. Did you hear that? God actually knows how many hairs you have on your head. 
even if you're bald-headed and shaved them all off, he knows how many hairs you used to have. That's how intricately God knows you. See, your wife might not know you that well. Your children might not know you that well. There are things you hide from others so that they don't know them, aren't there? But God knows everything about you. He knows your weakness. He knows your strength. He knows when you're obnoxious. And he knows when you're virtuous. And you want to hear the good news? He still loves you. In spite of how pitiful you are, he still loves you. Isn't that amazing? Yes, loving the Lord Jesus Christ means following him, obeying him. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my mandates. John 14, 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words you're hearing are not mine, but from the Father that sent me. Jesus Christ tells you this. If you love me, obey me. Do you think he has a plan that's better than your plan? I can assure you he does. I can assure you there's no way you can conjure up a plan that even comes close to what he has for you. But do you have the confidence to trust him? And are you willing to sacrifice your will for his will? In Matthew 10, 37, the Bible says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who will not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I, we must use our volition to make a conscience decision to follow Jesus Christ every day. Did you hear that? We have to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ every day. I'm not telling you the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. There is a plan for your life. And if you don't know the plan, you can't live the plan. But if you know the plan, then you can learn it, observe it, and follow it. So how do you follow Jesus Christ every day? Tell me the mechanics to that. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, we have an aristactive imperative verb. It's the verb iro in the Greek New Testament, but the imperative mood is the mood of command. Here's the verb, take. That's right, take. Take what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and if you do, you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You have a mandate from Jesus Christ, your Savior, to take his yoke. And that's a metaphor. It's a metaphor to means to put yourself under his burden, to link up with him, to be in bondage to him. And he's making a comparison. It's much easier 
to bear the burden of Jesus Christ than that of the Pharisees. I mean, they yoked him up with so much legalism that no one could live up to it. And Jesus Christ is saying, my yoke is much easier. Learn from me, and you can have an amazing life. See, this is also true in the religious community. Do you know it costs you more to belong to some churches than the local country club? And you have a lot less privacy. Unwarranted laws, unwarranted regulations, things that are not found in the Bible have to be observed if you want to remain a member in good standing. Here's a principle I want you to always remember. Church politics are much more vicious than political politics. Church politics are much more vicious than political politics. You know, the impact that Jesus Christ has on people is amazing. Amazing. In Luke 24, 12 through 32, on the road to Emmaus, our Lord met two men. Two men walking on the Emmaus Road. I think there's an organization today called Emmaus. And as the Lord spoke with them, as the Lord told them things, and he left them, this is what they said to each other. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Burned means to be consumed. He consumed our hearts. He consumed our thoughts. We felt alive in his presence. And it's the same way with you. In your life, the Word of God is Jesus Christ speaking to you. It must consume you. You must become alive with it. You know, it says, again, it's alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Over and over and over, we're told to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly <coughs> dividing, excuse me, rightly dividing, the word of truth. So following Jesus Christ means that you love him enough every day to get into his word, to see how he thought, to live how he lived. In other words, for you to replicate the life of Christ by using those 10 unique problem-solving devices, because that's what he used. Now, he did not use rebound because he never sinned. And he did not use occupation with Christ because he was Christ. But we use that. That's us. You cannot know him. You will never understand him if you don't learn this and apply this into your life. Does that sound hard? Didn't ask you for any money. Didn't ask you to join anything. Didn't ask you to go forward and to fire and put your stick on the fire and promise God never again would you do those bad things I just said learn him love him follow him and you'll never be the same it is the most amazing life and it's yours it's waiting on you it's waiting on you to make up your mind to get with the program I trust you're listening I trust you're learning until next week this is your host Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, 
please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.